Welcome to the second Adam Ola Bookman podcast. I'm here with my friend John Coughlin. Say hi, Johnny. Hello, everybody. And this week we're doing the Zlatan book. Yeah, I am Zlatan. Richard Williams, writing in The Guardian, said this is the most compelling autobiography ever to appear under a footballer's name. To you, Richard Williams, I say, nay, sir, nay. <laughs> Simon Cooper likened it to Philip Ross Portnoy's complaint. <laughs> I don't know if you've read Johnny, it's quite the stretch. Quite the stretch. <laughs> Simon Cooper is a bit of a is a bit of a heavyweight in the football rating, so that's a pretty good review. Yes, yes, it is. Mm. It's a very strange comparison. So Zlatan was written by alongside with David Logan France. Mm. Now there was some controversy that he made up some of the quotes. Well, I have the quotes from him about that. Oh, you do. Please fire away. Yeah. In a talk in 2015, David Lagerkran said, I started to read ghost-written football books, and I must say, I've never read such boring books in my whole life. I said to myself, I can't do it. Then, I shouldn't really admit it. Admit it, I decided to write it as a novel. I didn't really quote him. I started to find this literary illusion of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and then I got into writing it. So, there you go. And, um, okay. He says that he spent 100 hours with Zlatan and he concludes, quoting him again, I think it really was his true voice. The key thing is that I was not working as a journalist. I was not quoting him. I know this. If you want to find something, uh, if you want to find something that sounds true and authentic, the last thing you want to do is quote. I don't think I have any real quotes from him. I tried to get an illusion of him to find to try and find the story. I tried to find the literary Ibrahimovic. He says, um, spent 100 hours with Latin, wrote the book, and then had to quote his Latin with the book. After, like, he'd go to speak to Latin after Latin had read it. And his final quote that I have here is, the first thing he, Latin said was, what the fuck is this? I never said this. But after a while, I think he understood what I was trying to do. Nowadays, he thinks it's really his story. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> they're going to render the next hour absolutely. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so it's an interesting approach to uh, writing an autobiography. Yeah. To me, he writes him like he's a tribute winner in the Hunger Games or some such. Like He's like one of the people that Katniss Everdeen will be competing against <laughs> like some giant dome. If, if Zlatan actually sounds like that, Zlatan really is a maniac, just yeah. a maniac. Yeah. I, I can't imagine the translation did him any favours. It's it's like it's it's an adult theme, but it's written in childish language. It's all like, this is I am a lion and I shall defeat you. Firstly, on the on how it was received by um, readers, at Goodreads, 3.95, Amazon, 4.4. What I'm coming to realise is maybe books are read... Football books are largely read by stands. Maybe that's why the ratings are, are often inflated. And I think 4.4 is like 
that's that's a pretty high rating. But here we go. Here's well, some... the greatest football autobiography ever written. It's funny. I wonder is that Richard Williams like it's a bit of an in joke or something here, like reading between the lines. The quote is the most compelling autobiography ever to appear under a footballer's name. So he seems to understand that maybe some of this is made up. But anyway, here's some stuff about Zlatan. Um, and we're, I guess we're being very topical because he's, he's only very recently retired. He scored 405 club goals and 637 appearances and 62 goals for 122 games for Sweden. He's the country's all-time leading scorer. He played for nine clubs in total. And a lot of these are kind of the most storied and celebrated. He played for Ajax, U of A, Inter, and AC, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, and United. Um, interestingly, he only played for two clubs more than 100 times. And that was, do you want to guess which clubs they were? Oh, Paris, Saint-Germain, yeah. and Inter. Oof. Yeah, Paris is correct. But that, like, so just uh, the book was written in 2011. It was kind of halfway, like exactly at the halfway point of his career. When he was doing his first stint at AC, but yeah, you're right. It's Paris and it's and it's AC Milan, and he played for AC Milan in uh, twice. So he did those hundred games over two stints. He started playing in 1999 and he retired in 2023. There is another Zlatan book out already. I believe there is, but it's more amusing anecdotes from his story. Yeah, it is interesting in as much as this really is half a book. Yeah. And it's very much 2011 opinions. And i got to tell you, some of those opinions have aged like milk. Like, really? Yeah. Nonsense. Which leads us on to chapter one. Chapter one. Okay, go ahead. Well, it starts with a synopsis of all the characters, and then we move swiftly on to chapter one, which is Zlatan's ill-fated time at Barcelona. And he makes a big swing right from the get-go by completely and utter trashing the greatest, I mean, indisputably, demonstrably, the greatest football coach of all time, Pep Guardiola. He does not admire Pep. Not one bit. No, he doesn't. And I have a feeling that this was the motivation for writing the book. It came out more or less a year after his time at Barcelona. He was only there for a year. Um, and he did quite well. He scored 22 goals and got 15 assists at Barcelona. But Pep really takes a real kicking in this. Well, he just looks silly now, doesn't he? He looks silly. He, he questions Pep's methods. And obviously time has told Pep's methods are entirely satisfactory. Basically, this book could be called Zlatan Ibrahimovic. My problem with authority figures. <laughs> cannot deal with yeah. any sort of authority at all in yeah. any way. Uh, I don't know if that's, but that's, that's, that's Latin. And just like to go back to that, what you were saying about, a, you know, Lagerkrantz and it being like a Katniss Everdeen kind of uh, a tribute or a kind of a Brentish character. And I had started this book and, and I was like, Christ, this guy is insane. How am I going to read this entire book? And then I read those quotes and then suddenly the book changed in my mind. And I was like, oh, this is actually kind of a, a, a work of fiction. And it's quite an entertaining work of fiction, I think. But um, yeah, the pep stuff. 
like you say that it's aged badly, and obviously, yeah, Pep, as you say, is probably now untouchable in in his standing. But what he says about his character, I don't know. I think that maybe can still, you know, stand up. Essentially, that Pep is kind of a spineless character. Is the whole point? Spineless coward with no natural authority or charisma. No natural, no natural authority. No natural charisma. If you met him, you wouldn't think for a minute he was a top coach. And in terms of uh, people's reputation and where they are now compared to 2011 Mourinho is a titan in this book an absolute titan he is very much Jose's kind of guy yeah but yeah so Pep what I found very interesting here was he says that so he, whatever he, he feels like he's being cold shouldered by Pep and actually the book starts with this and it comes back to it at the end and actually, I thought there was some degree of um, equanimity, maybe as a stretch, but there was a l- the last chapters after the Pep episode, then he was just let loose. It just seemed his ego had kind of totally gone out of control, as though he was trying to make up for what happened with Pep. And I do think that is what makes, I think this book is an interesting insight, fiction or otherwise, into his mind. But yeah, he says, what I thought was interesting, they had this kind of, he was being uh, kind of frozen out by Pep. Pep wouldn't look him in the eye. He would leave the room when, when Zlatan entered the room, this kind of thing. And eventually it kind of blew up after a particular game and, and Zlatan kicked over um, a bin holding all of these shirts. And Pep picked it up. And Zlatan says, like a caretaker, which I thought was interesting because Zlatan's own dad was a caretaker. So... There is a funny thing going on with Zlatan, as you say, with authority figures. And I guess the first authority figure in his life was his dad. So I thought that was an interesting kind of um, little wrinkle to the story. Well, I think in his own mind, Zlatan sees himself as very much a man of the people. But every single anecdote he tells would be quite the opposite. All the people he really admires are big, powerful, rich guys. Those guys, that's my kind of guy. He was yeah. a rich, powerful guy, and he loves those anecdotes. Whenever he can conjure up something using his money, he loves it. He loves it. And he loved being with the the big Italian mafiosa-style, uh, you know, business moguls more than anything else, I think. Yeah. Um, it's the only people he can respect. It, I think the only people he truly likes, he, re- he describes as mafiosi all through the book. Yeah. Even some of the uh, Swedish people, well, he had that sort of gangster vibe about him, which I like. <laughs> yeah, the only person maybe that he likes who's not like that is, well, there's Maxwell, but uh, Olaf Melberg, who comes in for, who comes across, who who, who gets a fairly, uh, you know, positive treatment, I suppose, from, from Zlatan without doing anything at all uh, that seems like maniacal. <laughs> In all fairness, uh, Olaf Melberg did pay for every Aston Villa fan to get a shirt with his name on it. So it was a little bit. I believe in his last game, every away fan got a name. uh, On his last game, every away fan got an Olaf Melberg shirt. Oh, that is very But that's nice. If you're going to spend your money, spend it like that. (laughs) People talk about a previous generation of footballers, and I think people would say, you're John Terry's, you're Zlatan's, who responded to the strongman sort of talk. Mm. And as everyone says now, for better or for worse, I think footballers are more holistic, more caring about their charges. And I think that's why probably Pep's gone on to do 
well and, and Luai Jose is now beginning to struggle or has been struggling for a number of years. But again, I don't know necessarily that Slatan's view of Pep is, is, is out of date because, okay, with the exception of Grealish, do any of the Man City players come across as like brooding alpha dogs like? Haaland, maybe. No, I imagine, yeah, Haaland, but he's a clean living kind of fella, isn't he? Like, I mean, he's a, he's all about his game. Yeah, like it doesn't yeah, seem And if like... someone steps out of lines like Cancelo last year, Gone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure Cancelo got weeks of the silent treatment before he was quietly ushered to the door. Um, but yeah, um, I, like I don't know, maybe, 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 uh, maybe I'm a sucker for the for the for the powerful powerful alphas myself uh, because I I, <laughs> I I I believed I believed Zlatan. Um, okay, let's go back to the start of Zlatan's life. He's from Man Rosengard. Well, yes, Rosengard, Mountain. He's from the wrong side of the tracks. And that's the kind of, you know, that's the f- formative thing about Zlatan, isn't it? Well, I mean, I wasn't particularly aware there was a wrong side of the tracks in Sweden. I figured it was all the right side of the track. So I'm learning already. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's from this um, Bosnian-Croat background. Um, his mother is Croatian. His father is Bosnian. And they came as a result of the war in the Balkans. They broke up when Zlatan was two. He's quick to call out his son. I know during his first chapter, little Vincent, his little son. Oh, he was crying because he didn't want his, he didn't like his power. His pasta was cooked. Yeah. And so I wanted to tell him, you don't, you don't <laughs> know what it was like to grow up on the main streets of Roscoe. Yeah. yeah, it did seem a fairly unhappy uh, childhood. But as uh, for many footballers, he used that as a driving force. By the time he's playing, when he's six years old, he's he's stealing bikes when he's six. That's young in the criminal in the criminal game, and he's playing football, and he's and he and he seems to have enjoyed playing playing against the posh kids, um, and very much he he identifies himself as being an outsider in Sweden. He says that the first time he saw a Swedish film, he was twenty years old, so he was from an area, as you say, Rosengard, and he talks about that quite a bit. Where there's a lot of other people from immigrant backgrounds from the park. Yeah, that's that, that's a it's a very interesting point. You're absolutely right. I mean, he didn't know who Ravelli was or any of these Swedish football superstars until he was 16. Mm. And uh, he said when he first met his girlfriend, he was watching like Swedish detective shows. He's like, oh, I didn't know Sweden can make things like this. I mean, that's a total lack of integration, right? He was not really involved in Swedish society at all, right on the fringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even then, when, he, when he's playing football, he gravitates towards people who are similarly, like, not from the, the kind of mainstream Swedish culture. And he talks about, you know, if my, if my name was Janssen, if my name was this, if my name was that. And there is quite, like, you know, okay, I guess we have to be a little bit suspicious at every point in this book about uh, the amount of literary license that's being taken. But he says that when he was playing for a youth team, the the parents of of the other players petitioned to get rid of him. So he says that that was because, you know, of who he was. And I assume that's true, but is it because he was a, a total dick? <laughs> or, like, or is it because they just... Are I have my suspicion there, because it's like, oh, we want to get rid of Zlatan and his dribbling, right? That's what he always calls. Oh, it was always Zlatan and his dribbling. 
Now, that to me is Latan would get the ball, dribble, 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 shoot, shoot, shoot. Dribble, 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 shoot, shoot, shoot. I think it's just because he didn't pass, right? He just would never pass the ball. It was all about him. And I think that's probably, I mean, I, I don't want to give them a pass, these Swedish parents. But it was always Latan's dribbling we had a problem with. And I suspect that's someone being rather ball hungry and failing to pass to the other kids. If that is Zlatan's biggest crime when he was a kid, I'd be surprised. It sounds like he was the top madman, you know. <laughs> he headbutted the son of the of the of the parent who started this petition. So I you know, I think there's probably more to it. But at the same time, I am sympathetic because maybe he's right. Maybe if his name was if he was dribbling and, and shooting and being amazing to use the expression that Zlatan would, would use, and he was uh, like a you know, a blonde head blue eyed Swedish kid, there's no way to be getting rid of him. Absolutely not. I, mean, I think if it's, I think, it, well, again, I think it's youth football. I mean, youth football, it's like, come on, kids, get involved, pass it around. That's it. That's it. Use the spaces. That's it. Pass the ball. Oh, and by the way, do you think Zlatan's headbutted someone today? Because if he hasn't, it's probably the only day in his life that he's not headbutted someone. He headbutts people left, right, and centre. Man, Zlatan headbutts people. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a rough customer for sure. But as you say, that's kind of like, I think there is kind of a, I thought, like I said, I think it, it's an interesting uh, place, uh, book to read as a kind of an armchair psychiatrist and pretend that you're qualified to do those things. Because I think a lot of it is bluster with Zlatan. And that's certainly how it started, I think. It was essentially, you know, he was playing a role because he was, he talked about his father being mugged and ending up in hospital and then him running home and like as this kind of, as you say, kind of wimpy kid running from the light of one lamppost to another. And then he started kind of trying to be the tough guy, you know? So I think there is a kind of, you see it, I think, throughout the book with him, that he's kind of playing a role and it might be at, at times... There's a lot of kind of bluster and, and a bit of bluff there, maybe, I think. No, I'm sure you're wrong. Um, I think, do you remember when this book came out? Because this book did, I think, um, get some headlines for the pep thing, but also for, uh, it's funny what sticks in the mind, but that he was obsessed with practicing tricks. That was something that I remember from the news coverage of this book that came out 13 years ago, 12 years ago. Yeah, that's right. I mean, just practicing the tricks he sees Ronaldo doing. Uh, the Brazilians, that's who he has total respect for, all Brazilian footballers. Yeah, it just makes me wish I'd practiced that a bit more when I was a kid. <laughs> just practice those tricks. But there was no tricks in my day. Well, who'd I have watched? I would have watched Danny Wallace down the wing. There was no tricks back in the day, was there? And I, I don't, well, I certainly didn't see any. Uh, <laughs> in the earlier part, like, of his footballing career, if you want to call it that, when he was a kid, he found himself a lot on the bed on the bench, despite his skill. And this is something that repeated then as he got into professional football, both at um, Malmo and at uh, even at Ajax, which was a surprise to me. If I read it correctly, yeah, I think he was just a dribble merchant at that time. As he said, he didn't score many goals. He was all about flicks, tricks, and running. He gets spotted by Malmo, which is his, his local professional team. And what was really, really remarkable was just how touched he was by his father showing up there 
like his father having never attended a single game and it just seems to have been like you know has had his problems and wasn't there he's kind of absent and then you know suddenly Zlatan is I guess the father realizes okay my son is actually quite good at this and then the father just becomes obsessed obsessed and while Zlatan like he has a lot of grudges like just totally absolves the father I mean you're right there's another occasion where his dad turns up for us is signing for a team in a suit and like that is about as emotional as he ever seems to get in the book like he is so touched with his old man's put a suit on when he yeah. signs a multi-million dollar contract like thanks dad oh yeah now lad. <laughs> where shall I sign uh yeah he really does I, mean, I suppose that's that's nice right I mean yeah he loves his dad and his dad now obsessively scrapbooks everything that he's ever done I think <laughs> Everything that's Latin and Mino did. Mino. Oh, Mino. Now, there's his true love. Yeah, well, we'll get to that because that is, that, that is well. fun. But anyway, okay. Right, so there's a bit of fortune for, for Zlatan in the sense that he's he's playing for Malmo. He finds himself on the bench. There's another uh, kid from the Balkans called Tony, uh, his friend, who is kind of seen as the, as the, as the coming force in, in Swedish football or something. And that guy is in the team, whereas Latan's on the bench, and they're involved in kind of like a relegation playoff, or at least a game to save themselves from relegation. And Tony takes a penalty, which he misses. And Tony kind of never recovered from that. And Mamo go down. And then it's when they're in the next, in the lower division, that Latan starts to play a bit more. And in that kind of space, then he starts maybe to develop. Well, perhaps the relegation to the second division was the making of Zlatan. He had a bit more opportunity to express himself. He had a bit more time. And a player of his skill set may have gotten the top Swedish division. They came back up, Malbon, that is, as a result of largely of Zlatan's goals. And um, then he was he was signed by Ajax. Do you want to tell us what happened to, to Zlatan when he was leaving, when he was leaving uh, Malmo? Well, yes, yes, he was. Uh, he really struggled. So it was an un- unusual deal, and as much as they signed him for a record fee for a Swedish player, by the way, which Zlatan was delighted about. He wanted to be no, no heavy millstone around his neck. Like he was delighted. He was a ten million euro player, and he wanted the world to know. But he wasn't joining Ajax straight away. So he was finishing the se- season first at Malmo. And he didn't feel he got the love and respect he deserved from the Malmo management. Not at all. No. He had this director of football, Hasseberg. He kind of shafted Zlatan, at least in Zlatan's memory of things, in in that he told Zlatan not to get an agent. And then, um, yeah, when Zlatan went to Ajax as this, you know, new Van Basten or whatever, as he says, repeatedly in the book um he finds out that he's the lowest paid player in the whole ajax squad uh, it's a funny thing about zlatan is okay you said he's always headbutting people he also likes to describe really smoldering stares that he gave, <laughs> he gave people. i really looked at that guy you know uh <laughs> he's looking one for again yeah, exactly. Yeah. And again, how did you read that though? I mean, he was what he was still a kid there. I think that's how it works out, right? Generally, younger players, you you earn more as you get older. 
Yeah. Was he well, looking for offense? I think he was looking for offense. He's so astonished that Malmo tried to maximise the money they got for him. He really is astonished that they didn't see it more of an opportunity to give him some gratitude. All that you hear about agents is how terrible they are. Like this is like this is like a peon to to agents and to mean all this book. It's like the opposite of everything here about about agents. But yeah, okay. Um, he leaves Sweden. That's that. Um, and off to Ajax. Was one anecdote I wanted to tell about when he was in school in Sweden. And at some point, Zlatan describes getting kicked out of an Italian class by the Italian teacher. Now, A, they do Italian in Sweden. No kidding. <laughs> His response to being kicked out by the Italian teacher was, I don't give a damn. I'll learn, I'll learn Italian when I become a pro in Italy. Now, did he say that? Did he say that? <laughs> oh, like grand. I wonder how much... This like, did not happen. He didn't learn Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's easily checkable, right? He didn't learn Italian at Swedish school. We do Italian at Swedish school. I mean, of all the languages. You'd need to, you would need Zlatan levels of bitterness to go back and check that, calling up his school. Okay, whatever Italian <laughs> was. Yeah. Swedish Italian teacher. Okay, all right, fine. Let's go to Ajax. We're in Ajax, and again, Leo Beanhacker uh, is the guy who signs him, and you know he's just a bastard. So therefore, Slatan likes him. Loves him. Good old Bean man. If I asked you one thing about his time at Ajax, what would you what would you know about that time? It was that goal, wasn't it? That mazy, mazy goal. That's all I knew about his time at Ajax. Same. It's an absolute blinding goal, that one, isn't it? It's unbelievable. I mean, it really is. It's unbelievable. He sits him down. He goes past him again. He sits him down. He goes past him. It really is fabulous. Yeah, he yeah he sits down two or three guys. But I, I looked up, um, you know, whatever, Zlatan's top 10 goals on, on, on YouTube. And that was in at number two. What do you think was number one? England Sweden goal. Yeah, yeah. I would say that Ajax goal is amazing. He's going to do so much. He just falls over and whacks it like England. I mean, it's a good goal too. Yeah. Well, it's just because it's so, you just don't see that, do you? You just don't see a bicycle kick from whatever it is, 50 yards away. And it, he kicked it so high as well. But like you say, that's a hit and hope as well. Whereas for that goal for Ajax, he has to, he has to do 100 things right. In order for that, but of course, be. it is Maradona goal. And I'm telling you, it's better than the Maradona goal as well. He, he, yeah. he goes past people three times, so it makes them look like fools. And to put it into its context, then um, he, I think he needs he not he needs foes, he needs enemies, and his enemy at um, Ajax was Raphael van der Vaart, who, uh, despite being from a poor background himself and a gypsy background, which is interesting in itself. He was a white Dutch guy with a celebrity girlfriend and therefore the darling of, of the Dutch press. Yeah, and he always seems to have a little chip on his shoulder about any native player. He always seems to. Yeah, Van Vaart's no exception. Yeah, and at that time, so it actually struck me as reading this book how, how kind of, how, 
his international career, despite scoring all the goals, was a bit of a non-event, wasn't it? They never really did anything in uh, Sweden in, in, in any of the competitions. But they were put out uh, by um, the Netherlands from, uh, uh, in one of the competitions when, when he was at Ajax. So what would that have been in the early 2000s, maybe 2004 or even before that? And he, um, he was playing with Van der Vaart at Ajax. And then after the Netherlands had put Sweden out, they were playing in a friendly. And they had uh, the Netherlands in Sweden again. And they had a tussle, the two of them, despite being teammates. And Zlatan injured Van der Vaart. And this caused a big argument between them and some kind of like schism and civil war within the, within the, within the Ajax squad in which Zlatan... Again, you know, I just love the dialogue again. He was like, uh, it was an accident. But if you keep saying that, I'll break your legs. And this time it would be on purpose. <laughs> it's very much a he said, she said. Who do you believe, Johnny? Do you think Zlatan tried to do Van der Vaart? Um, yeah, I think he probably yeah, did. Of course he did. I think he probably did. Of course did. he did. And he's yeah. going to save it until his dying day. But sorry. But, Going back to the goal, this was at a time when Van der Vaart was, it was when he was out injured. And um, Zlatan painting, Zlatan slash Lagerkrantz painting the picture says, the whole stadium was going crazy, except for one man. <laughs> <laughs> Raphael van der Vaart uh, sitting in the crowd looking upset. But yeah, that was it. I did enjoy him talking about Van Hal, uh, who he describes and this is a quote as a as a pompous ass. <laughs> Does that I think you got that one right, doesn't he? Like, <laughs> Does, Does that surprise you? <laughs> no, he was director of football at that time, wasn't he? He was director of football. Kuman was his manager. Yeah. And he likes Kuman. Yeah. He does like Kuman. To connect it to the Pep stuff, what he didn't like about Van Hal was um was that Van Hal is a systems guy, much like Pep, I guess. Whereas uh, I guess Kuman was kind of m maybe a kind of a, a man manager type, and that's that's obviously what what what's Latin responds to. Well, he just doesn't fit into the modern day system, does he? I mean, that it just requires you to work harder than he was ever prepared to do. I think, as oh, good old Van Basten told him, never waste time running to get the ball. You got to save all your energy for scoring goals. Yeah, and this what he tell any subsequent manager who told him he had to run about. No, 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 no. <laughs> Okay, Van Basten, have you heard of him? He told me I shouldn't do that. Yeah. Who's no more, who knows more about scoring goals? Hey, hey. Yeah, what he said to Van Hal was, um, am I going to listen to you or goal-scoring legend Marco Van Basten? Unfeatured <laughs> <laughs> nobody or goal-scoring legend yeah, Van Basten. exactly. I have a question for you. When was the last time you spat gum onto the street? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, I had a bit of gum yesterday, like, and I had to remove it for some reason. And I, I drove it round with it on my dashboard. So oh, I got, yeah, I drove round on my dashboard until I could uh, get rid of it effectively. Well, you know, so it's been a long time, Johnny. It's a long time. Zlatan would have no respect for you. So after the experience with Malmo, he got an agent, and it wasn't Mino initially. It was a Scandinavian guy, and he said. <laughs> He eventually ditched this guy because uh, he freaked out because Latan was driving too fast in his car and your man was obviously terrified. Latan described him as, you know, the kind of guy who wants to think he's tough, but he, he would never cross a line in his car or spit out gum in the street. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got two things to say. 
A, Zazan boasts about driving at 325k at some point and people yes. being frightened. Yeah. And all I'm thinking is, you fucking arsehole, you arsehole, you massive arsehole. Oh, I'm a great driver. And B, I imagine Minio Raiola would spit gum in the street. Mm. I imagine Minio, uh, Minio Raiola would just let food fall out of his mouth if he couldn't be bothered to chew. Like, <laughs> there was a man that was a slob, but a gangster like slob. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A Tony, a Tony Soprano kind of character. And the dynamic between Mino and, and Zlatan is Mino just kind of treated him like shit, like, or spoke to him like shit, at least. And Zlatan loved this. Like, so he'd say, oh, I want to get of Ajax, I want to go to Juve. And he'd be like, why would Juve sign you? You're shit. It's like, wow, he really responded to this. And then I was wondering, like, so Mino's other clients before he, before he died were like Pogba, Haaland. Do you think he's like that with Haaland? That's an interesting one. I wouldn't have thought so, no. I mean, Haaland's never been anything but an absolute monster, right? So, like, isn't it just, isn't it, yeah, so that would make Mino kind of even more interesting, that he kind of knew how to how to speak to Zlatan, which is not to say that he was playing him or anything. I would have liked to, I would have liked to have met Mino. I think he's, yeah, he just sounds absolutely fearless, right? Who, no matter who he's in a room with, he will speak to him like he'd speak to the lowest, the lowest uh, dog's body that he could get hold of. I mean, he, he describes him shouting at Marathi and his dad, like clapping with applause with delight at the way this man is speaking to Marathi, etc. Yeah, and uh, there was a funny uh, little uh, part of one of the anecdotes where he said that, um, so Zlatan kind of credits Mino because of the way he spoke to him and, and he kind of motivated Mino to, to, to kind of try harder, to train harder. And so when he met him at Ajax, he said, okay, if, if you want to work with me, you have to sell your cars, you have to get rid of your watch, you have to sell your jackets and all this kind of thing. And it's like, I'm so, okay, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, okay. And then <laughs> at some point they go, uh, Raul is from an Italian background, but he's, 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 he was raised in the Netherlands. I think his family had a pizza parlor. So they went, he went to visit the pizza parlor and Raul's sister mentioned that... Um, <laughs> Mino's dad was driving around in the car. That's <laughs> he made Zlatan get rid of. Oh, <laughs> he's driving a little theatre around as well. Like, right then. So, yeah, so now he's looking to engineer his way out of Ajax, despite having at great length described all the little Dutch players as, oh, they're all trying to get out of Ajax all the time. Oh, where can we play in England? Where can we go to in Spain? And then, oh, how can I get out of here immediately? The motivation for getting Mino in in the first place seems to have been to to engineer this this his escape his escape from his Ajax hell. Yeah, it's a rough time there. Yeah. Um, so he starts looking around for other teams to go to. He goes to Arsenal to meet Wenger. He likes Wenger. He goes with an agent whose name he claims to have forgotten, which seems like a diss. Very much like Mariah Carey, and I don't know her to J-Lo. But anyway, uh, he gets an opportunity to have a trial at Arsenal, but that gets turned down on his behalf. He's too good for he goes to Monaco, but also no, no. But Mina has a tantalising little uh, tidbit for him. Juve, Juventus, the old lady. They're interested in Vazlatan. That seems like a, a club of suitable size for a talent, an ego that enormous. And this becomes his next dream. 
Well, he loves Jose and the kind of charisma that Ho- Jose has. Jose is a kind of a a small kind of Napoleon character, maybe. Whereas Capello is Jose is having slim shoulders. I know this. Small man with slim shoulders. That's necessary. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, Capello is just a stone cold motherfucker. You don't earn respect. You take it. Right, it's Wayne Rooney is saying, walking past Capello, it makes you feel like you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even really fully understand that. I think it just means he doesn't. He blanks. Give you slightest hints of recognition. Yeah, you might as well be a ghost. He doesn't even see you. Capello is the one who um, kind of makes some value scoring ugly goals and winning rather than doing fancy tricks. But this is the period of the, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, Calciopoli. Juventus and a couple of other teams, including Fiorentina, were braving refs, which resulted in uh, Juve being relegated. And how did he react to the prospect of being relegated? Get me out of it. Okay, Capello's gone. Um, some of the players have managed to get out of there. Everybody is like, all the rats are trying to get off the sinking ship. Zlatan's looking for an exit. In comes former Juve midfield maestro Didier Deschamps as the manager, and he says to Zlatan, I want to build a team around you. And Zlatan is like, Well, I want to get out of here. And him and Mino strike up, say they've made an arrangement and an agreement with um, Juve that they'll, he'll train, but he won't play games. And they're in a hotel and they're going to a game and Zlatan stays in his room, which causes Deschamps to come into the room while Zlatan is playing his Xbox or his PlayStation. Deschamps is like, okay, it's time to go. And Zlatan just didn't look at him <laughs> and just continues to play his PlayStation. And Deschamps is like, uh, what the fuck is happening here? And that was the end of that. Yeah, he says himself, who wants a guy who doesn't give a damn and just plays on his PlayStation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also where he starts getting his tattoos. Yeah, tattoos. Only God can judge me. Well, I'm judging you right now, Zlatan. <laughs> I'm apparently judging you harshly, with Johnny here. But yeah, not just God. <laughs> I'm judging you, buddy. Yeah. So you've got a dragon, because in, in Japan, a dragon is a warrior. And we can't yeah. just be a dragon or get a warrior. <laughs> dragon, mate. He also, uh, together with his now long-term girlfriend, who is still with, Helena, mm. and they decided to start a family after watching the Winter Olympics in Turin, which I thought was a romantic mm. exit. Watch a bit of uh, curling. Just think, I think I want to bring my child into this world. This has... Uh, references to Vardy, like his absolutely ridiculous behaviour when courting her. Like one day, me and my friends did uh, donuts on her driveway. She wasn't impressed, wasn't she? The <laughs> house gets broken into and all the things stolen. And to this day, she thinks she knows. Slatter knows who did it. I don't. I don't know who did it, but she still thinks he does know who did it. And oh, I think he knows who did it. At one point, he breaks up with her later and sends his brother around to give her a pick up a laptop when he bought her. Yeah, to take it back. So, yeah, well, there you go. Who knows? Maybe they had a little argument. And before you know it, some of Zlatan's thugs are breaking in your house and stealing your goods. Like, I just didn't want to go to the cinema tonight. (laughs) 
point that he finished the book, he played six seasons in Italy and he won the league every year. Um, no, I noticed that. But one thing uh, he says when I was trying to put together the timeline on this, and I may be wrong, but he says, sorry, he goes, he goes to Inter now and they won the league three years in a row, which is true. And he says that, um, you know, we'd won it three years in a row when I was there, but he was only there for two of them. So cheeky little bugger. Well, the third year was the year that he really tried to avoid talking about, isn't it? It's like when Joe says, oh, are you going off to uh, Barca to win the European Cup? Yes. Well, should have stuck around, shouldn't you, lad? Should have stuck around. Should have stuck around, yeah. Classic front line, the Crespo, Adriano's Latin front line. Yeah. Just going back to my younger days, Johnny, pro Evo. That was my team into with that three up front. Unstoppable I was. Did you watch that goal? Uh, Adriano puts the ball in from the wing. He's kind of a stand, he's standing still and he, he does a feint to go by the, the, the fullback and he puts the ball in. And Zlatan is kind of almost at the at the sideline with his back to goal. Like as in the he's between the ball and the goal as it comes to him, and he does that kind of back heel. An incredible goal. Yeah, I've seen yeah, I watched that. Yeah, that was a really exceptional goal. Yeah, goal of the season in Italy, wasn't it? Yeah, so that was the winner in a four three win over Atlanta. Um uh, <laughs> he is funny. You've got to say you can't defend that. You know, the the goal the, the the defenders and stuff is like there's no defending that. You literally can't. You can't anticipate a player to lift his foot four foot in the air more yeah. than that you know in the kind of self-aggrandizing manner of Zlatan Inter had already won the league at this stage but everybody was really uh, excited because this is what won him the top score yeah he, he wants us to believe that the only time that Jose ever celebrated was when he won the Capo Canineri mm. yeah, yeah, I, oh, I was pleased to win the league but Here's some other things that happened whilst he was at Inter Milan. He had his first baby. Yeah. The baby was uh, welcomed into the world with a huge banner by the uh, Inter Ultras. Welcome Maximilian, named after Maximus because he loves Gladiator, because of course he does. <laughs> oh, the baby gets uh, sick, takes the baby to the hospital. He doesn't like hospitals. He mentions it. He doesn't like hospitals because most of us love them. Told his wife, I just can't bear it. If anything happens, let me know. He fucks off to go and play Xbox. Lovely old Zlatan. Yeah, that is a remarkable event, you know. And he says, like, he was, that he said they were playing Lecce, I think. And he said to Capello, look, my, my kid is sick. And Capello's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? I'll play. <laughs> he, just, he, just, he just goes on and plays and totally forgets about it. Yeah, that was, that is really quite something. I don't know. I mean, is, is that Mr. Lagerkrantz's initiative? Or, I mean, you wouldn't, if you didn't say that, you'd get that taken out. It's quite possible that Zlatan didn't read this book, I guess. <laughs> he doesn't strike me as a big reader. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Uh, he also wins Swedish Sportsman of the Year for the first time. He just used that as an opportunity to snide off Martin Darley for some reason. True, true Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan style, like, oh, there's no tiny little petty grievance which goes forgotten, like, yeah. Take that, Martin Darlene, like, yeah. mainly that, forgotten footballer of the uh, 2000s. Oh, 1994. I remember him. He was in that uh, the 94 squad that got to the, did they win the third place in, in, in the US? They certainly yeah, got that's right. third place playoff. 
but I didn't, I didn't I didn't watch the 94 World Cup, Johnny. I didn't watch any of it. I didn't I was just too young and immature, I couldn't enjoy it in any way. Well, thankfully, I did watch it and I enjoyed it immensely. Ireland have been back to one since, so it's good that it's good that I watched that one. But the episode with the house, this is, I think, the single most remarkable thing in the entire book. Well, this is what I've got a few bits here. Like, it's absolutely man of the people. Yeah. Man of the people's Latin Ibrahimovic. Just a nauseating anecdote about buying his house. Big pink house. Have you looked it up? I've looked it up. It is pink. It's a big pink house. Oh, yeah? Go on, tell us. The only house in Malmo he wanted to live in. Somehow, through his girlfriend's connection, he gets the opportunity to meet the uh, owners. What does he tell them, Johnny? You're living in my house. (laughs) You're living in my house. How we all must have laughed. Anyway. I think he ended up paying over the odds, three and a half million dollars. He said he ended up paying for the house and they must have been laughing. But I'm not one to throw my money away. So <laughs> he let the money men do that for him. Yeah, it was absolutely astonishing. Goes to the house and buying this house, they all laugh. And then he says, no, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sure they did very well, right? I mean, but what, double the market value, you've got a rich idiot hanging on. Yeah. Um, what does he have a big picture of in his house, Johnny? Yeah, that was funny, wasn't it? His big feet. picture of feet. <laughs> what? Why have you got a picture of feet, Zlatan? Oh, you idiot. What do you think paid for the house? Mic drop, end of chapter. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, he's at Inter and he's been there long enough. And as you say, he kind of leaves ultimately at a, a very unfortunate time because he's going to pursue his dream. And who's going to stand in his way? No one. But of course, what happens when he's gone is Inter win the Champions League, which is, as we said, this book was written halfway through his career and he hadn't won it by the end of the, by the time he'd written it and he hasn't won it since. So he, that was his, that was the, that was the, the, the kind of one that got away if you want. Yeah. He just has to make up with Scudettos of which he has many. Hmm. So the World Cup in 2008 did not go well for Zlatan. First of all, he'd just done a boot deal with Nike, which he was excited about, but he was told all the players wearing Nike would be wearing the same boots. But no, another guy had different boots and he was furious. And that's what he refers to him as, another guy. Can you guess who that another guy was? I'm going to guess it's Cristiano. You're absolutely right. Cristiano had sexy green boots. Everyone else had to wear black boots and he didn't like that. One little bit. Mm. I, they say they amended it, but by that time, he just was the bigger man. No, I wear the black boots, but I'm furious. Yeah. he uh, Actually, you remind me, he had this, we described the thing with Van der Vaart. He talked about Van der Vaart at length, but earlier when he was playing for, for Sweden and he scored, um, he scored a goal, he had a big beef with another player and he doesn't name him, but he, like, I just don't understand why you do this in a book. He's like, this other guy, I hated this other guy, who I won't name. He just kept saying, everything is better at Arsenal. <laughs> okay, well, you kind of you kind of narrowed it I down. Mean, I mean, I had a sneaky suspicion who it might be, but I just double-checked there weren't any other Swedish players at Arsenal at that exact time point. Yeah, it just doesn't quite have the balls to say Freddie Lundberg. I just can't quite say it. Okay, Barcelona. Barcelona. When he arrives at Barcelona, he says there's a crowd to uh, greet him to the club. Like, uh, 
when Ronaldinho came, only 30,000. When Henry came, Thierry Henry came, only 30,000. Twice as much as Zlatan. He had a crowd of 60,000. Donald so fucking Trump. Yeah, Look at him. Like... I got the bigger crowd. I got the bigger crowd. There's no evidence. No evidence. Twice as big as Ronaldinho. I have that written down, actually. Trump. Like, that is quite striking now, isn't it? Yeah. So he says that Xavi, Iniesta and Messi joined the club at 11, 12 and 13, respectively. And they were like schoolboys. And Zlatan was just totally perplexed, I suppose, as to why these megastars acted like schoolboys. You know, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full and all the rest of it. And Guardiola told them, you know, we don't drive fancy cars. And Zlatan is like, what does it matter to you? What car do I drive? That kind of thing. So, oh, yeah. That's right. He describes them as fabricantes, right? They're workers. When you're at Barca, you're a worker. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't He doesn't like that. And why he's asked, why does Guardiola say that to me? Does he say that to everyone else? Why is he saying that to me? Yeah. Big, said- big top jolly dickhead. I think maybe he's trying to remind him, like, just come on, lad. Team game. Yeah, uh, he says that like Guardiola clashed with people with big personalities, Ronaldinho, Deco, Henri, and of course yeah, chased, chased him out of the club. Like, get out of it, Etu, not big enough. Whereas those losers, Xavi, Iniesta, and Messi, stuck around. What did they ever win? Hey, eh? what did yeah. they ever win with their shitty little schoolboy attitude? It's just so thoroughly flawed. His whole con- uh, his whole condemnation of. Guardiola, like, oh, why is he so bad? Because he wins. He wins all the time. His system works. It drives me nuts. Yeah, that, like, no, it doesn't work from a bastard, does it? It doesn't work from at all. He should have went. He should have went to Madrid, shouldn't he? He's got Madrid just written all over him. Oh, Ronaldo. Ronaldo liked him. No, oh, no, no. I just mean like, okay, maybe in a different time or whatever. But like, like he's just not a Barcelona guy. That's that's plain for anyone to see. You know? No, you're absolutely right. I suppose yes. Or can you imagine though? Can you imagine Ronaldo's face? It's like it's <laughs> uh, went for himself. Like I'm standing here hoping you imagine you were like a burning stare. But then when he goes to Milan, right? I just thought this was so funny. He's like, there's a graphic on the Milan website that is like a totally new kind of graphic announcing the arrival of Zlatan. And it says like, finally ours. And the graphic was so good. So many people went on the website. The website crashed. And then it's like, he was brought in the, on, like his whole family were brought in this kind of cavalcade of, of, of club Audis through the, through the city and just this amazing welcome. And I was reminded of, of Yaya Torre, uh, the famous birthday cake thing. Yeah. These things do matter. It seems that these, you know, again, okay, maybe in keeping with the Trump comparison, these outsized and ultimately incredibly flimsy egos, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like when he was presented at the uh, AC Milan stadium he made them cover up a board which said paolo maldini (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to say a stupid name but that's it that's kind of you know i think zlatan couldn't have finished the book on the note of barcelona and this like he really really goes two-footed as it were on 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 at the end and how he's kind of brought back the glory days of milan and and you know after they'd been like he returned glory to Inter and then he took it back from Milan again, that kind of thing, you know, he really, he really, and he put so much emphasis 
on this welcome that they gave him, which is just bonkers. Like, again, this stuff apparently means stuff to people. It really means a lot to him, eh? He wants to be, he wants to have the biggest crowds. He wants the biggest wages. He wants the biggest transfer fees. Yeah, it's, it's, he is ego driven, the lad, like totally and utterly ego driven. The last few pages were just brilliant. <laughs> he says, um, it was a fairy tale and I was that time. That's the last sentence in the book. <laughs> I don't remember last time I did my fairy tales when I was a child. Um, what is the appropriate uh, way of scoring this? Is it is it like uh, fireworks? Is it how many how many only God can judge me uh, tattoos would you give this book? I'm gonna tell you, I, I started off with enthusiasm, and it sort of flagged a little bit towards the end. Did as much as very repetitive. This is how I won the Scudetto here. This is how, and it's always, always a game. And there's a crucial moment where he conjures up a crucial goal. And there's a lot of description about football in this guy, uh, in this book, which is what I want, I guess. But it always ends up with like, and look what I did again. You know, if there's a long description of the game, Latan is going to end up. And I got a bit, I flagged a little towards the end. I give it a seven. Seven what? only God can judge me tattoos. I think we were given out of five, so that's a, that's a, <laughs> absolutely it's a seven star book. Oh, right, but it's a three, 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 three out of five. Do you think reading about an Inter game against Atalanta, as opposed to we'll say like a, a Liverpool game against Southampton, do you think that makes a difference? Probably does, right? Because you would Probably remember, me. you no would remember in detail, you know. A goal scored by, say, Newcastle in 1996 or something like that. You'd remember that, you know? Well, absolutely, I would. I mean, there's a couple of times where he references uh, English football, and I'm just like, eh, that's wrong. So just just two very quickly. One, he says, like, uh, Jose Mourinho was Bobby Robson, the old England captain's translator. Yeah. Was his captain? Was his manager? Yeah. And I tell you, when I was a kid, that used to confuse me. So captain is B. Robson, and the manager is B. Robson. His dad, <laughs> right? It's not his dad. But it is his dad, right? It is his dad. His dad's made his son. No, no, no. different Robsons. Two B Robsons, one England manager, one England. I just couldn't believe it. I just, it's his dad. It is his dad. Uh, so he got that right. And there was another bit where I think he was at Ajax and he was playing a pre-season tournament and he was playing against, <laughs> he was playing against Liverpool. And he was like, yeah, Liverpool had a centre-back pairing. I'm sure and Houpier <laughs> in the Premier League. No, they fucking weren't. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hadn't played against Eliza Stephen Henshaws before. Well, I was like, so yeah, um, I'm, I'm I'm teasing it out, but um, yeah, I love this book. I, I absolutely loved it. Like you're right, and there was a shift in gear after after the Barcelona stuff, where his just the ego just kind of it just. I think maybe the turning point when Zlatan jumped the shark for me was when he essentially bullied someone into giving them their house. At an old, well, related <laughs> price. And it's like, okay, um, this point. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I thought it was just like, like I said, it was kind of like he's a Brentish character. At times, I thought there was a bit of depth to him in the sense that, like, you know, as I said, he was very forgiving of his, of his, of his dad for his failings. And he had a lot, he did have a lot of affection for, you know, his family. And there was some depth at different points, I thought. But then, I think really when you just kind of push that aside and 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 you kind of say okay I'm 
I'm in this to read about a kind of essentially a, a kind of a, a, a kind of a lunatic character. It's a whole lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it's, it's repetitive and some of the dialogue is extremely wooden, but it, even in it being wooden, it's, it's funny, you know, I enjoyed it. So I'm going to give this a four, Al. four, four man buns out of five. Well, I think, as you say, the book zips along, and yeah, it is, it is reasonably entertaining. I just think you like him more than I like him. I'd, I'd had enough of his last end by the end. You know, like, just in terms of his future career after the book, when he came to England, at that point, he was kind of... I remember hearing an expression used in, in basketball, specifically in reference to Carmelo Anthony, when he played in... I think he was at the New York Knicks, and he was a, he was a high... Um, a high calorie player and they were referring to players who while they scored all the goals and like dominated everything it just tired everyone else out and made the team crap and that's what Ronaldo was like when he when he went back to United as well so um yeah he was funny at United in the sense that people liked him but it was quite clear that he was just kind of dragging the whole thing down He's a big fish in a small pond, right? He likes being the big fish in the small pond, but he's always trying to get into a bigger pond. And when he gets to, well, when he only gets to the big pond, he's like, oh, I don't like this big pond. Yeah, maybe. No, but there's a bigger fish in it. There's a bigger fish, and I don't like the messy fish. I want to be back, big fish in the. And there, there was, there was one thing. Like he, he's, he's kind of respectful of Messi, but the way it's what, what's you know, what I inferred from how he described Messi was that. Messi decided he wanted to play through the middle. Messi just didn't want. It was Messi really who didn't want Zlatan around as much as Guardioli. Guardioli, Guardiola. Yeah, that does come across. Yeah. I think it probably inhibits his play. I don't know. I say Messi obviously had a big say at Barcelona, right? And he's sometimes understated because he's so. What is it? He's so inconspicuous. Not inconspicuous, but he's not a big character, is he? But apparently. He had a huge set at Barcelona because, of course, he would. Right? Of course, he would. He's it's how it's how Anthony, it's how Anthony Alanga felt when Cristiano Ronaldo came to Manchester United. That's how Messi felt on seeing on seeing Zlatan arrive. Love <laughs> <laughs> Alanga. Okay, so that was I am Zlatan, more beloved by Johnny than myself. In the next episode, we'll be doing Ian Wright and his life in football. Slightly less egotistical. Slightly. All right. All righty. There we go.